know you have. We would be honored if you would join us. What's happening, Far, Far Away family? Welcome to Star Wars Audio Archives. So how's everyone doing today? I hope everything is going well on your side of the galaxy. Nothing new going on out here in the Outer Rim. Just patiently waiting until Mando Season 3 starts. We only have like a week left to go, but it seems like the days are going so slow. Am I the only one that feels that way? It really feels like minutes are hours and hours are days. Okay, enough about all that. Let's get to some news. And what do we got on the chopping block for today? I guess the big news is that Liam Neeson has some thoughts on the numerous spinoff TV series that have come out recently. The actor, known for his role as Qui-Gon Jinn in Star Wars The Phantom Menace, recently made a cameo appearance in the spinoff series Obi-Wan Kenobi. But it looks like he's not interested in his own series. In fact, he feels like the many spinoffs are diluting the franchise and taking away from the mystery and magic that made Star Wars so special. In an interview, Neeson said that he wasn't interested in doing his own spinoff series, and he was happy with the brief cameo in Obi-Wan Kenobi. While he did enjoy reprising his role as Qui-Gon Jinn and acting alongside Ewan McGregor once again, he doesn't seem to have any plans to return anytime soon. It's interesting to hear Neeson's thoughts on the matter, especially since he revealed the reason he took on the role of Qui-Gon Jinn, because of his respect for the franchise creator George Lucas. This is Neeson's exact words. I did the TV version. I appeared in the last episode. I had two lines to say. Two lines. That was cool. I love doing that. But that's all it is. Yeah. With so many spinoffs currently in the works, I'll be interested to see how fans and other Star Wars actors react to Neeson's comments. But for now, you can catch Obi-Wan Kenobi streaming on Disney Plus if you want to see Liam Neeson. And I just have to put this in. He did say all this about being in Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then he popped up in the last episode. So can we really trust what Neeson has to say? I'm just saying. Now I only got one announcement. We have gotten so many emails about the favorite part of the show. Thank you to everyone for giving us your opinion and being honest with your opinion. It means so much to us. There is no amount of words that I could ever use to thank you enough. We have started using AI to sort through them all, looking for keywords and phrases like favorite and most liked, because there's no way we would be able to read them all. We now have 22 people reading as many as they can, plus I have been reading them. I just want to say to everyone that's been helping us out, thank you for all your hard work. But honestly, we haven't even put a dent in them yet. Even with the help of the AI program, there's just too many. But we are loving all the feedback, and we're going to read as many as we possibly can. Because it will dictate how we run the next season. Okay, let's get back to Brotherhood. Because when we left off last week, Obi-Wan was sitting in a cell, waiting on his day in Nymordian court. So let's jump back into the story. Assange Ventress. The bulk of Zara's architecture was ornate, all intricate curves and immaculate carvings, much like the tower by which they chased Kenobi. All such a waste of resources, a facade to shield the population from the realities of a cruel life. Here, in an industrial district just west of the capital, Ventress felt much more at home. Everything from the streets to the small storage room she'd rented for a handful of credits felt completely functional. Nothing extravagant or excessive. Her surroundings offered her a simple means to get the job done. Which was why she only had one thing in the room. 
She opened the door and the room's internal sensors detected her as she walked inside. Kitar followed behind her. But once automated illumination filled the space, she turned to find him examining his blaster. Something wrong with your weapon? Ventress asked. I think so. He held it out as if targeting within his sights, then checked the alignment on its small scope again. I had Kenobi lined up. He must have gotten lucky. The bravado in his words caused Ventress to laugh, something that clearly stunned the young guard. She admired his confidence, a trait that was likely amplified by the surge of fury and despair he'd felt since the Katasura incident. But of course it was foolish. I am certain that a single blaster is no match for a Jedi Knight. If Kenobi was trying, you would have known. She walked in front of him. Had you survived, that is. Kitar turned, his permanent scowl seemingly even more pronounced. How would you know? You're just a diplomat. Oh, is that what you think? Isn't that why you're here? To observe the Jedi Emissary? He asked, his voice echoing off the simple metal walls that offered a completely opposite take from the exquisite Cato-Namudian governmental complexes they'd spent time in. She paced the room, considering the challenge presented by his questions, not because they were difficult to answer, but because there were so many choices. Ventress weighed the possibilities, how she might get the most out of his naivete. Her goal had been clear ever since Count Dooku ordered her to fly to Ketonemoidia, and with Kenobi about to face trial, exposing the two-faced nature of the Jedi Order and the Republic was well on its way. Dooku's instructions lacked specifics, though, something he often did, and Ventress understood why. This was not just a test of her physical gifts or her force abilities. He wanted to see her strategize, improvise in the face of opportunity. And this was an opportunity. Ventress promised herself she'd make the most of it. <laughs> Just a diplomat, she said, stepping away from him. With her back turned, she listened, gauging his reaction as the next seconds unfolded. With one hand, she drew back her long cloak, and with the other, fingers gripped one metal hilt attached to her belt, the curve of its form against her palm. She unlatched it and stayed steady, holding the weapon in front of her. Or perhaps more. A brilliant crimson glow emerged from the hilt, the distinct explosive discharge, an ensuing hum now filling the room. Do you see? Behind her, a quick shuffling noise told her that Kitar did not expect that. And now he even held his blaster up. He really was obedient, after all. When she'd told him to stand guard outside Kenobi's room during her search, she figured he must have taken a peek. But no. 
He must have stayed in the hall the whole time, completely missing her lightsaber slash on the secure equipment case. She allowed herself a quick, short grin before returning to neutral and facing him. I understand the ways of the Jedi, and I come prepared to defend myself. They are volatile, unpredictable, stealthy. She took two more steps toward Kitar, the blade close enough to reflect off his pistol's metal body. Untrustworthy. You have their weapon. That is one way to look at it. But you have a pistol. How many people in the Republic have a pistol? How many people in the Outer Rim, in wild space, have a pistol? A weapon is a weapon, regardless of training or skills. Take a closer look. She angled the red blade his way, the tip of it now close enough that he winced at the heat burning off it. Ask yourself, have I broken your trust in any way? You saw the data pad. You saw the comlink. You heard the transmission from Kenobi's partner confirming the evidence. This was all here waiting for you. I've lifted the veil for you to see, haven't I? We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. In a gradual, slow gesture, Kitar lowered his pistol, though it remained in his hand. In return, Ventress deactivated her lightsaber, its deep red no longer tinting the space. Now I want you to think about your partner. Rogue? Kitar asked, a puzzled look on his face. What about her? Do you trust her? Of course I trust her, he said. His gaze fell to the floor, a head shake that showed this struck a nerve. Count Dooku often spoke of the importance of opportunity, of knowing when to force a moment out of nothing, then take it before it slipped away. Now was one of those opportunities. Rogues looked after me ever since I joined up. Interesting, Ventress said. Her head cocked at an angle. Since you joined, I can understand that. But what about since Kenobi arrived? Any behavior that might seem out of character? Kitar slowly turned his head to Ventress, the room's harsh flickering light tilting the shadows cast by his helmet over his cheeks. She's tried to keep you away from me, hasn't she? She, Kitar started, knew I'd been exhausted. She was just encouraging me to take care of myself. Because Kator Neimordia needs us. Even as he said the excuse, Kitar's tone gave away that he was reconsidering it all. 
Ventress had him. The Jedi, she said, are known to be able to influence the emotions, even thoughts of others. Has Rug acted differently since Kenobi has been here? She is a decorated commando with elite training and a custom weapon, and yet... What happened when Kenobi ran? Kitar's mouth opened, and over the buzz of the room's lighting, she heard a low guttural sound as he tried to form words. Ventress waited, more than happy to let him come to the conclusion himself. She missed, he finally said. Loyalty, Ventress said in a slow, controlled cadence, can be exploited. Kitar took a single step back, a reaction out of impulse rather than decision. And now Ventress would move in for the finishing blow. If you trust her, then you will do whatever it takes to break the hold that Kenobi has over her. To break the hold that the Jedi and the Republic have over Nemoidians. You can do this, Kitar. You can be the one. Just as he had fallen back, she moved forward, keeping a very specific distance to stay in his space, in his line of sight. How do you think Kenobi's trial will go? The evidence is damning, he said softly. Damning. That is different from certainty, isn't it? At this point, Keter might have agreed with anything Ventress said, but her words continued their assault, chipping away at his thoughts and concerns until she led him like a youngling following a toy. The Jedi are powerful. Their ability to sway minds is unfathomable to those that don't understand their kind. Think of their order. Indoctrinating children fresh out of the womb. And their parents. They simply let them leave. Forever. Think of what Newt Gunray said about his encounter on Naboo. The frightening speed and power. And now they suddenly transition from peacekeeper. She said with a derision. To soldiers commanding the military? Is that not concerning to you? It is. Kitar's voice came out as a mere whisper. Ventress sensed it. Not just from the emotion rippling off him, but from the way his entire body tensed, the way his lip curled, the way his eyes stayed shut as the questions pierced through him. He was on the edge of giving in to her, something that happened so easily that she almost laughed at it. Count Dooku wanted to test her, and yet this was no challenge at all. Katasura had created a creature seeking faith in something, regardless of what it was. All she had to do was be there for him. You care about your people, your planet, the Trade Federation. Then what risks are you willing to take to ensure their safety? To make a statement that will forever sway them away from the Republic? 
With Kitar's eyes still closed, she walked over to the case of explosive materials and put her hand on the biometric reader. Or perhaps more than a statement. It beeped and whirred, locking mechanisms undoing before she lifted the case open. Stacks of a pliable and very volatile orange compound just waiting to be wired into a detonator. You must calculate the risks, Ventress said. And then, make a choice. Kitar opened his eyes, and Ventress stared right back at him. Okay, this was a good chapter. Even though it didn't have a lot of action, I like the fact that Ventress revealed herself to Kitar. Pulling out her lightsaber in front of him, then the way that she manipulated him was just phenomenal. She played him like an Xbox One, leading him down a path she wanted him to take, convincing him that Kenobi had used a Jedi mind trick on Rue. And if he didn't do something drastic, Kato Nymordia would fall to the Republic's tricks. And once she got him eating out of the palm of her hand, she opened up a big box of explosives and tells him that he must do whatever it takes. That's where the part came to an end. Chronologically, this is the first time Ventress showed that she was a Sith, because this happens before the first episode of The Clone Wars. Let that settle into your brain for a moment. But before you get too mind-boggled, let's get to the quote of the week. And it comes to us from David McCufflin Jr. He said, climb mountains not so the world can see you, but so you can see the world. Success means different things to different people. Some people think success means being rich and famous. Others think it means doing something they love, helping others, or achieving personal goals. But success is more than just getting recognition from other people. Imagine you are hiking up a mountain. It is tough and it can take a lot of time and effort. But when you reach the top, you will see an amazing view that makes it all worth it. You might feel proud of yourself for making it all the way up there. But what's even more important is how the experience changes you. You might learn something new about yourself, about the world around you, or about the people you're with. You might become a better person in some way. That's what success is really about. Growing and changing in a positive way. When you work towards a goal, you might face challenges and setbacks along the way. But it is important to remember that the journey is just as important as the destination. You might learn a new skill or get a new perspective on things. You might become more patient, more determined, or more creative. These are all things that will help you succeed in the future, no matter what you choose to do. For example, let's say you want to start your own business someday. That's a big goal, and it might take a lot of work to get there. You might need to learn about marketing, accounting, and leadership. You might need to work hard to get customers or investors. But even if you don't become a millionaire, the skills and knowledge you have gained along the way will be valuable. You might become better at communicating with others or better at solving problems. You might learn more about what you're good at or what you enjoy doing. All of these things will help you succeed in whatever you do next, whether it's another business or something completely different. It's also important to remember that success isn't always a straight line. You might have to take a few steps forward and then take a few steps back. You might have to change your goals or your plans along the way. That's okay. It's all a part of the journey. The most successful people are the ones who keep on going. Even when things get tough, they don't give up on their dreams and they don't let setbacks stop them. So what does success really mean? It means different things to different people, but at its core, it's all about growth and change in a positive way. It's about learning new things, becoming a better person, and making a positive impact on the world. It's about pushing yourself to do things you never thought that you could do and enjoying the journey along the way. Okay, so I think that's all I have for today. Join us next week for Chapter 36 of Brotherhood. We hope to see you there. 
Thank you for listening to Star Wars Audio Archives. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can follow us on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shed and is a production of Pick Film Media and was distributed by Sway Cast Networks. This show was produced by Quinn McDaniel. Star Wars Brotherhood was read to you by Jason O'Dagan. Sound designed by Theodore Thompson. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.